beautiful place and God loves the city of Las Vegas. God has a plan for the city of Las Vegas. God has a plan for Walk Church and how you are gonna be a light in the city of Las Vegas for many years to come. So I am blessed to be here. When Pastor Hayden asked for me to come and to share from the topic that hits different, I was reminded of a passage of scripture that as I finished my time there in Oakland, we planted a church called the Movement Church in 2013. And I was there for about eight years. And the final sermon series that we did was a sermon series through the book of Psalms and Proverbs. Through the book of Psalms and Proverbs. And I'll never forget, I came across a proverb that I read and it hit different. It impressed me, it moved me, it changed me in a way that I wish I had heard this proverb when I first got into ministry because it's a warning. And so today I want to preach from the subject, a warning that hits different. Because for some reason the Lord in his sovereignty and in his infinite wisdom he decided to give me this warning at the end of my time on pastoral ministry there in Oakland, but I, I wish he would have given it to me sooner. And so I'm going to preach very passionately today about a warning that hits different because I know of the consequences of not heeding this warning. And I don't want any of you to have to suffer the consequences of not heeding this warning. What warning are we talking about? We're talking about a warning from the book of Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 through 8. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, take it out at this time. Your phones, all the scriptures will be on the screen today. But for those of you who may be new to Bible study, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's written by someone whom the Bible calls the wisest man to have ever lived, King Solomon. And he writes these words, these are timeless words, written centuries ago, but I believe they're also timely words that can impact and encourage our lives today. Just two verses a warning that hits different. Let's take a look at it. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. I know you probably didn't come to church today thinking you were going to hear about scoffers and scoffing, but that is what we're talking about today. And the tension question that I'm going to ask, that I believe that this scripture resolves very clearly is simply this. What is the wise way to avoid the abuse that so often can come from the people we give advice? How many of you have experienced abuse from giving advice? Someone say amen. Walk church family. Let's 
not receive this abuse. Hear the warning that hits different. So I've got some burdens. I've got some reasons why I hope you lean in. Some reasons why I hope you take notes. Before I talk about the interpretation of this text, here's why I hope you pay attention. Number one, continually being hurt by people whom you are trying to love is painful. Someone say amen. And unfortunately, my pastoral ministry at the Movement Church, I loved my time there. I love those people there. I miss those people there to this day. But in some ways, that time could be bookended by two very painful experiences with scoffers right out front in those first couple of years. Man, me and the guy that planted the church and his family, we had a run-in and it was, was horrible, it was painful. He actually came to me and he, he was honest about some ways in which he sinned against me. And when I laid out a pathway for reconciliation between myself and others in the church who had been hurt by this incident, he didn't, he didn't want to, he scoffed at it and it was painful. I didn't think the church was gonna make it through those early years. I actually ended up having to go see a counselor. Painful time. Someone who rejected reproof. Then at the tail end of my time there in Oakland, and I wanna be very clear, this isn't the reason why I left, but there's definitely some confirmation. By the time we finished, there was another situation where I was doing my best to lovingly, as a pastor, shepherd and encourage someone in the, converse, uh, in the congregation. And they rejected the reproof and it wasn't just a reject of reproof, but it was a painful experience. And I'm here today, prayerfully, under the guidance of the Lord to help prevent you from experiencing the pain that comes from dealing with scoffers. Now, here's an additional reason why I hope you lean in. Continually trying to love others in ways that aren't wise is foolish. I wish I would have known that there are wise ways to love people and unwise ways to love people. Someone say amen. In our attempt to love people, we could actually do it foolishly. What's the old saying? If it happens once, shame on you. If it happens twice, what? Shame on me for allowing myself to walk through a door that I know has been shut in my face time and time again. And I don't know what it is about Christians, pastors, leaders that feel like we have to succumb ourselves to people who don't want the help that we have for them. And I don't want you to have to go through that, but I think at some certain points we have to own, man, that's not as much on the scoffer as it's much on me trying to love people in foolish ways. Finally, I wanna say this here, because I know some of you are like, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I wish they were here for that. I wish they were here for this. But let me tell you, here's my final burden. Being naive to how we, everyone say we. Being naive to how we can become or are scoffers is dangerous. 
This message just isn't for the scoffer out there. This message is for the potential scoffer in here. Someone say amen. So here is the message outline for today. Here's where we're going. I want you to know very clearly so you know when it's about to be lunchtime. Come on, somebody. What is a scoffer is the number one question, just so we're all on the same page. Number two question, why are scoffers dangerous? This comes right out of the text. Number three, how can I not be a scoffer? Don't leave early. Stick around for how can I not be a scoffer? And I praise God that I'm going to end our time together taking our eyes off of ourselves and putting our eyes on the only one who could save us from our scoffing. Spoil alert, this is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we are going to close our time together making much of our Savior. So, question number one, what is a scoffer? Now, the book of Proverbs actually defines this for us in a couple of ways. First description from the book of Proverbs, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Now, we should all pause at this moment here and say we're all in danger of becoming a scoffer because how many of us would say we like to be corrected? No. I don't remember the last time I went to my wife. She's here with me today. And I said, honey, correct me, baby. Correct me. I love when you correct me. When's the last time your kids went to you and said, mom and daddy, correct me. I love your correction. When's the last time as an adult with an adult parent, you went to your adult parent and you said, your, your elderly parent, and you said, Can, I just haven't heard correction from you in a while. Can you correct me? So I say all that to say, if a scoffer does not like to be corrected, we all can become a scoffer. One more definition right from the Proverbs. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Scoffers don't only reject correction, but they do it in a prideful way. Ray Ortland is a pastor who's impacted me, who's a great shepherd. And his commentary on the book of Proverbs, this is what he says about a scoffer. A scoffer is anyone who never accepts correction. He thinks other people really need his opinions. Come on, somebody. Other people. He is easily offended. He is above other people. And if someone seems to threaten his superiority, he scoffs, he mocks, he mouths off. And last but not least, he denigrates he talks down at the person attempting to correct them. So Ray Ortland, he's such a scholar. He says it so eloquently. I'm a simple guy. I like to say it this way. A scoffer is one who regularly resists and rejects reproof and ridicules. Resists reproof, rejects it, and then ridicules on top of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a scoffer. Don't be a scoffer. This is what a scoffer is. Now, why are scoffers so dangerous? And this is what the proverb is clear about. And I'm pleading with you. I know, it's like, what are we talking about? I mean, I'm just telling you, this is painful. This is painful. No, so we're gonna go back into the text. Why are scoffers dangerous? Whoever corrects one gets himself abuse. How many of you have ever experienced that before? You get himself abused, you incur injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will 
hate you. You will be hated for loving. You will be hated for attempting to correct a warning that hits different. St. Gregory, old school commentator, old school saint, he has these words to say about a scoffer. It generally happens that when they, the scoffers, cannot defend the evils they, that are corrected in them, reproved in them, they are rendered worse from a feeling of shame and carry themselves so high in their defense of themselves that they take out bad points to urge against the life of the reprover. And so they do not account themselves guilty if they fasten guilty deeds upon the heads of others also. And when they're unable to find true ones, come on somebody, they make them up. They feign them that they may also themselves have things they may seem to rebuke with no inferior degree of justice. Come on, isn't this social media today? <laughs> social media should be scoffing media. I mean, social media is all about rejecting reproof, making stuff up about people. Lying on people. So here's what I want to do. And I got to just tell you, this message for the next, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes is going to be pretty depressing. Okay, I'm just, just telling you now. I'm going to bring you some hope as we close, but this is pretty depressing. I am going to give you an outline of four characteristics of scoffers. One, so you can identify them. Two, so you won't become one. But... This list is a progression. You are the ultimate scoffer when you do all four. So maybe if you only do one or two, praise God, but let's, let's not do all four for sure. Here's the progression. Number one, scoffers reject your wisdom. You try to say, hey buddy, hey sister in Christ, the music you're listening to, the way you're spending your money, the way you interact with your kids, the clothes you wear, the places you're going, the music you're listening to. Hey, it's not wise. It's not honoring to God. What does a scoffer do? No, I'm not hearing that. That's not for me. You don't know me. You know, who are you to tell me what to do? Scoffers reject wisdom. Now, duh, but it gets worse. Number two, Scoffers scrutinize your life. They turn it around on you. And unless you think I'm up here, oh, I'm the poor pastor and everyone scoffs at me. No, I can be a scoffer too. My wife will tell me, Edward, why is it that your clothes cannot make it to the laundry basket? Why is it when I fold your clothes, I done did your laundry for you, I folded the clothes for you, and you can't even put them away? Any wives can, can relate to this, or is it just me? Okay, praise the Lord. Honey, see, it's not just me. It's not just me. But what do I do? Instead of receiving her correction, I scrutinize her life. I say, what about your clothes? I see your clothes all over the place. If you put your clothes away, then I will put my clothes away. Come on, husbands, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Wives are upset right now. But, but what is it about how we turn it around? And I'm, this is being light. 
But come on, you've been there where you've tried to approach a brother or sister about sin in their life. And they wanna be like, well, what about your sin? And come on, I know I got sin, I'm a mess. But we're here to talk about yours. <laughs> and scoffers always turn it around. And while we may be thinking of the person that always turns it around on you, do you always turn it around on the person that's looking to correct you? Your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your pastor, your community group leader, don't be the person that turns it around. That's an identifying characteristic of a scoffer. But it gets worse. Scoffers aren't good enough just to reject your wisdom, scrutinize your life. They wanna misrepresent your word too. They wanna take what you said. So like my wife telling me, you know, can you just put your clothes away? And then I go tell my homies, you won't believe this. My wife says if I don't put my clothes away, she's gonna leave me. That's not what she said, but something about a scoffer likes to twist the words of the person who brings the correction, likes to misrepresent them. That's not what she said. That's not what her heart is. Who misrepresents you after you do your best prayerfully, lovingly to correct them and they go off and misrepresent you in front of others, misrepresent you online? You might be dealing with a scoffer. Are you doing that? You might be the scoffer. And last but not least, and this really is the worst, this really is the most painful, they discredit your reputation. It's not enough for them to reject what you say. It's not enough for them to turn the tables. It's not enough for them to twist what you say. Now, what scoffers ultimately want to do is take you down. They wanna remove you from your workplace. Cancel culture, come on somebody. Discredit everything about you. Now I'm not saying the person that's doing the correcting is perfect, you and I, when we do the correcting aren't perfect, but just because we're not perfect in our loving correction does not mean we need to succumb and we need to receive all these things from somebody. Who is the scoffer? As you look at this list, like, man, I need to stop. I need to stop messing with that person. Now, side note, if it's your husband or your wife, you can't just walk out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> my wife's a scoffer. Oh, this is my, no, 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 no. You just need to have patience. You need to pray. Some of, some of you are thinking about that child. Come on, come on, because one of them is more of a scoffer than the others, right? You can't just walk out on your children, but there are certain coworkers, certain family members, certain people in your life where it is not wise for you to continue to try to correct them when they don't have a posture of humility. And so I hope that helps. And before we get too jazzed about like, yeah, scoffers, yeah, like, do you do any of this? Where is this you? How do you behave in this way? Now, it's gonna get a little bit more depressing because if you're not convinced that scoffing is dangerous, either dangerous to mess with scoffers because you're experiencing this injury, experiencing this pain, or dangerous because you're putting this pain on others, I wanna give you six descriptors of what scoffers will face 
right from the book of Proverbs. This is right out of the text. These aren't my words, and I'll show you the scriptures in a minute, but here are some additional words to describe the condition of those who reject correction. They lead others astray. They're stupid. They're fools. They despise themselves. They will die. They're inviting poverty and disgrace. I told you this is gonna be depressing, but these aren't my words. Look at the words of the Proverbs, all describing scoffers. Number one, they lead others astray. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof, what? Leads others astray. See, when you reject correction in your life, you aren't only hurting others, you're not only hurting yourself, but this passage says you lead others astray. Moms, dads, parents, aunts, uncles, leaders, anyone who's looking at you, when you reject the correction of people who love you, you are modeling for the people who follow you what it likes to reject correction. And if you're, so if you, man, like my kid is a mad scoffer. My kid, where do you think they learned that from? We don't just hurt ourselves and others when we reject, rebuke, and reproof. We lead others astray. Let's continue on. Where's that stupid word come from? Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is what? Stupid. stupid. And I did the Greek. I did the study, the Hebrew, right? The original language. What does this mean in the original language? Let me just tell you, stupid. It's what it means, foolish. Goes on to say, what's another? A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Next passage, whoever ignores instruction despises himself. You would think that in stiff-arming correction and saying, nah, you don't know me, don't try to come at me, you don't know me, that like we love ourselves so much. But the scripture actually makes it clear. When we don't receive the loving correction of a friend, family member, pastor, we're actually saying that we don't love ourselves. When you reject reproof, it's actually evidence of hate for yourself. This is not me. I I'm just sharing what the text says. Let's keep it moving. There's severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. In some ways, this is metaphorical. Yes, you could die on the inside as a result of rejecting certain correction. But I'm sure in a room of this size, those watching online, some of you actually know people who have physically died because over and over again, they ignored the correction of their loved ones. This is the ultimate destruction for a scoffer is death. Finally, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored, poverty and disgrace. And once again, I, I'm just not the one who's been scoffed at. I don't just scoff at little things like putting my laundry away. In the early part of my wife and I's marriage, um, man, I had these big dreams, doing big things for God, using by, Using, being used by God in a mighty way. And because of my pride and arrogance of, of how God was gonna use me, I quit a, a good paying job that was providing for our household. 
that was carrying the insurance. And in my pride and arrogance, I'm gonna do this. God's called me. I'm above where I'm working. I'm above it, so I'm gonna quit it without a plan. And I had parents and brothers and sisters and pastors say, Ed, this is not wise. You need to provide for your household. But because I was full of myself, arrogant, a scoffer, I said, you don't know. God has a calling on my life. Come on, to be at that job, that is so under what my skills should have and what, what type of job I should have. Come on, don't leave me up here alone. Anyone else ever been there before? I'm bigger than that. Well, I'm bigger than that led to some poverty and disgrace. As a grown man, married, having cars repossessed. That's some embarrassing stuff, y'all. Having to go outside and it's like, where's my wife's car at? It's horrible. So I know what this feels like, a warning that hits different, not because I've just been hurt by scoffing, but I've done some scoffing and it has brought pain on myself and my wife. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a scoffer. All right, it's pretty depressing in here. How many of you are ready for some good news, some, some help on how not? Okay, let's keep this thing moving. How can I not be a scoffer? How can we not be a scoffer? I got two ways to help us not be this person in the book of Proverbs who's a fool and stupid and despising themselves. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're not gonna like these two things, but it's what the scripture teaches. Number one, how can you avoid scoffing? Love your rebuker. And everyone said amen. Love your rebuker. These aren't my words. Let's go right back into the text. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Wise people love the people that correct them. Wise people love the people that have the guts to speak the truth to them in love. So let me just paint a picture for you. Husbands, what if you went home today? Come on. And you looked at your wife and you said, honey, I love you so much for correcting me. I love you so much for how you correct me. Wives, come on, I dare you. You go home to your husband and you say, oh, honey, come on, try it, honey. When you get home, you try it. Edward, I love how you lovingly point me towards Jesus. Come on, for those of you who aren't married, small group leader, pastor, come on, Pastor Hyden, doesn't he preach a good word around here? And I just want to encourage you on his behalf. You got to love your pastor for having the faith, the courage to speak the truth in love to you. You got to love your team of pastors. You got to love your community group pastors. I dare you, love your rebuker. Number two, how could you avoid scoffing? Receive your rebuke as a gift. <laughs> Come on. This is otherworldly. None of us would say, oh my gosh, honey, correcting me about how you always gotta tell me to take out the trash. Why don't I just do it on my own? 
Come on, wives. Why do I always got to tell you? Is that just in my house? Am I the only one that still has to be told? But instead of rejecting that, saying, you know what? If I'm really going to love my wife as Christ loved the church, thank you, honey, for keeping it real with me. Receive your rebuke as a gift. A couple passages that these aren't, these aren't my words. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. When's the last time you had someone correct you? Man, I don't know if you're eating healthy. Come on. I don't know if you should be watching that. I don't know if you should be hanging out with those people. And you were like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's just as good as gold to me. Oh my gosh, that's like a gift. Thank you. That would be the Christian response to correction. The psalmist says it this way. Let a righteous man strike me. What? Let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Oil in the Old Testament, it represents anointing. It is like anointing to be corrected by a godly man or woman. Let my head not refuse it. Mm. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. This does not come naturally to us. Everything in us wants to push it away and think it is not that bad and minimize how selfish we are. Minimize how impatient we are. Minimize how angry we are. Minimize how racist we are. Minimize. God, help us not to minimize the sin in our lives that is hurting us and hurting others. God, open up our eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of David, of David and Goliath's fame. Man, that dude was broken. He was a sinner. Saw a woman bathing that was not his wife, sleeps with her. Takes it a step further, kills her husband in a scandalous way. How could that dude who committed adultery, who committed murder, be seen as a, a man after God's own heart? How is that even possible? Well, the prophet Nathan, some of you are familiar with the story, comes and he confronts David. And he tells David a parable, a story, to help him see that he's a, a sinner. And he tells David this story, and at one point, Nathan, he can't handle the parable anymore, and he just says, it's you, man, it's you. I'm talking about you, bro. And David's response was this. He's the king. If anyone could fight back correction, wouldn't it be the king? Let me just say this, side note. The more experience you have in a job, the longer you've been married, the, the higher up you are in ministry, the more power you have, the less likely you are to receive correction. Power is so corrupting, but in this moment, how does David respond? He says, yes, I am the sinner. It's me, and I'm so thankful when I had a loving brother come into my life during those early parts of my marriage, and I'm off pursuing my dream, 
doing God's big thing for my life while neglecting my household. My buddy, Kwaku Jaba, he was all the way on the East Coast, Washington, D.C. He gives me a call and he says, Ed, you are tripping. And he points me to a passage of scripture that I don't think up until that time I was even aware of. It's a scripture that says something to the effect, if you do not provide for the members of your household, you are worse than an unbeliever. How many of you have ever heard that one before? And man, I'm like, worse than an unbeliever? And by the grace of God, I heard him. I didn't take it personally. I didn't say, well, what do you gotta work on, Kwaku? Well, what's your problem? I just heard that was for me. It didn't matter what was going on with him. See, and I would even say this, don't let how someone tries to correct you blind you from the truth of how you're being corrected. Now that doesn't mean as leaders and pastors and husbands and wives, we could just correct people however we wanna correct them. I'm just saying, as a mature believer, you can't let someone's ineffective way of correction blind you from what is true. And by God's grace, I went back, I got a job. I humbled myself, that was 11 years ago, and I could trace the way God has prospered me the way God has elevated me, the way God has used me, I could trace it back to a single decision to humble myself and not scoff at a rebuke that had come my way. And how might your heavenly father might wanna do that in your life today? Let's just land this plane. How can we apply this message to our lives? Let me give you three ways to apply it. So we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word, amen? Oh, no, you don't wanna do the word? Okay. One, disconnect from a scoffer. You guys got that person in mind? Someone say yes. Yeah, disconnect from them. Enough. I got, I got the Facebook update from one of my past scoffers, come on somebody, that it was their birthday and something in me, maybe because I'm a nice guy or maybe because I'm just foolish, was like, I'm gonna text this dude happy birthday. And then like the Lord, or I, I just was like, no, don't do that. Don't wish them happy birthday. Why are you gonna walk through the door that has been slammed in your face time and time again? And you know what, you know what? Maybe it's not just about avoiding the pain. You know why I think God commands us to stay away from scoffers? Because he wants to show us that he's the one that ultimately has the power to get through to them. What is it in us that thinks I gotta talk to them again because I gotta say it and if I don't say it, no one else is gonna say it. What if you don't say it, then they actually have the ears to hear the Holy Spirit who could say it best. Parents, with your children, sometimes allowing the Holy Spirit the room to provide the correction is best after you done tried it time and time again. So, disconnect from a scoffer. Keep rebuking those who love you. Man, small group leader, leader in this church, leader in your home. 
keep correcting. Man, what I miss most about my Movement Church family and some of those brothers there, man, we got to a point where they loved me for rebuking them, I loved them for rebuking me, and our relationships actually got stronger because faithful are the wounds of a friend. To your face, I'm gonna tell you the truth, and to my face, they would tell me the truth, so don't grow weary in rebuking those who are open to rebuke, amen? And finally, come on, repent for how you've scoffed. What is the wisdom that you've scoffed at from your husband? What is the wisdom you've scoffed at from your wife? What if godly people tried to tell you about your anger, about your spending habits, about the way you treat your spouse, about your lack of church attendance, whatever it might be, about your unwillingness to engage in community? Well, I just show up at church and I leave, and you've heard it said, you need community, you need the brothers and sisters in Christ, and you've scoffed at it. No, I don't, it's just me and Jesus. I just, it's just me and Jesus. No, Jesus is the head of the church, his bride. You can't love the head and hate the body. You can't love the head and hate the body. <laughs> Repent, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond in just a minute. What is the correction that you're stiff arming? Like, I just, that's not me. Men in particular, can I talk to the men? Don't be that guy who can't be corrected. Don't be that guy. Why? Because that's nothing like our Savior. And so with my last few moments, let's answer the final question. Who can save us? God forbid the main thing that you leave with today is a conviction to not be a scoffer. God forbid the main thing that you leave with today is, ooh, I gotta stop talking to that person because they're a scoffer. God forbid the main thing we have on our minds as we leave here today is us. Because the truth of the matter is, in your own strength, you can't stop scoffing. Someone say amen. In your own strength, you can't release the person who you've been trying to correct. You won't be able to release them to the Lord in your own strength. And so as I close, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity, I wanna point you to Jesus. As I prepared this message about scoffing and being a scoffer, I was reminded of the moments leading up to Christ's crucifixion on the cross. Look what the doctor, the Dr. Luke, writing an orderly account of the events of Jesus Christ, he says it this way, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers, what? Scoffed at him, saying he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
Our Savior Jesus Christ dealt with scoffers for the length of his ministry and then when accomplishing the final work of salvation on the cross, what happened? He was scoffed. He was scoffed. I sum it up saying it this way. Jesus Christ was being mocked by scoffers while accomplishing the work of salvation on the cross for scoffers. This is the gospel. So what am I saying? The gospel is beautiful hope for us today. Number one, man, if Christ could die on the cross as they were scoffing him, how many of you would agree that that same penalty of sin applies to the scoffing that we do today? How many of you are thankful for the forgiveness of Jesus? That you don't need to walk out of here feeling condemned for the ways in which you can't receive correction, but you can walk out of here feeling primarily forgiven. Forgiven. Oh, but it's so much better than forgiveness. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than just you're forgiven for your sins. Jesus lived 33 and a half years of a scoffless life. He never scoffed at anyone. He said, whatever the will of my Father is, that I do. So what does that mean? When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, ooh, I love this. Not only are you forgiven of sin, but you're gifted righteousness. You are gifted. The 33 and a half years of scoffless living of Jesus is credited to you. Oh, come on, walk church, that's good news. Because what does that mean? You don't need to get this right for you to be made right with God. Oh man, oh man. You don't need to get this right to be made right with God. Why? Because Jesus makes you right with God. Jesus makes you right with God. But here's the last gift of the gospel and I'm out of here. Forgiveness, righteousness, we also get power. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. The same power that allowed Jesus to forgive the scoffers on the cross is the same power that lives in you and me so that now we can scoff less. Now we can forgive those who scoff at us. Do you see how it's all about Jesus from start to finish? He forgives us, he gives us righteousness, and he gives us the power to live more like him. This is the good news. So here's what I wanna do as I close. I know this, less, uh, this message can fall on your ears in a lot of different ways. Some of you are dealing with the hurt of having been scoffed at time and time again, the injury, the abuse. Some of you, you sit here today and you're like, man, I'm the scoffer. No one can tell me anything. Some of you need the power to forgive those who've scoffed against you. And regardless of what category of person you are, scoffer, scoffed at, need to be the forgiver, I just wanna pray for you. I want you to have an opportunity to respond in humility. 
then maybe today could be a day you draw a line in the sand. I'm not gonna talk to those people anymore. I'm not gonna be that type of person anymore. If that's you, if that's your heart, I wanna invite you to stand. I wanna pray for you. This message is like, man, you're talking to me today. I wanna pray for you. So don't worry about the person sitting next to you. This isn't about, you know, emotionalism. This is about this message was for me and I need prayer that I could walk out this message under the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, just stand. I wanna pray for you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for the humility in this room, Lord. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray first for the scoffers, for those who stood because they know they have a hard time receiving correction. God, I pray that you would humble them under your mighty hand. Your loving correction is better than their being right. God, help them to receive that word by the power of your spirit. Lord, for those who've been hurt by scoffers, Lord, I pray healing in Jesus' name. Healing, Lord. I know what it's like to live with the hurt of being abused by people you love, God. But that's not a burden for me to bear. You said, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. God, would, would these folks here today who've been hurt by scoffers cast that care upon you? For those who need the power to forgive those who've scoffed against them, God, I ask for forgiveness. Help them to see you forgiving them. And out of the overflow of your forgiveness for them, help them to forgive others. Finally, Lord, I pray for Walk Church. I pray that from this day forth, that this community of faith would be more of a place where people receive correction, where people love correction because your word says you discipline those you love so help us to see correction as an extension of your hand Lord may this be a place where scoffers are forgiven where scoffers are set free where scoffers are delivered where humility reigns Lord may humility reign in this place for our good and for your glory in Jesus name we pray Amen, amen, amen.